expressed on the following broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome, Exploring Solutions for Life Today, a presentation of Take 12 Recovery Radio. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dave Fleming and the Monty Man. Oh, hell, dear. <laughs> so one time when I was really, really sick, my wife gave me this bell. That's... <laughs> That was a mistake. <laughs> and now it's out here, so you must have learned your lesson. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if I learned my lesson or not, but it's out here. Welcome to the show. Dave Fleming is here. Monty Man. Uh, the title of the show this uh, this week is Cleaning Up the Wreckage of the Past. And on social media, we asked the question, how long did it take to clean up the wreckage of your past? And... What was your most grateful experience? What what experience of cleaning up that wreckage really your gratitude shines through that? Uh, and so we're going to be talking about that uh, this week. But, of course, we have our icebreaker. Don't we, Dave? Yes, yes, yes. Let's play it. Let's play All it. All right. Here we go. Oh. It's time for <laughs> Dave and Monty's icebreaker. Put your gloves on. Don't get cut. Band-Aid! Band-Aid! Alrighty, so, so, um, do, do you watch American Idol? Uh, of course. Oh, good. It has, right. some, has music in it. Yes, indeed. So. Well, American Idol has been a win-win for Iowa native Maddie Poppy. Uh, what? what? what, what say it again? Maddie Poppy. Okay. No, Dave. No, you said it so quickly. <laughs> I couldn't Maddie understand Poppy. what you're saying, so I'm Maddie sure Poppy. maybe there's a few uh, listeners that probably didn't understand what you're saying either. So, Is although that- I must tell you, as you know, a, a, a man in long-term recovery and a former drug user, when I heard her name, my adrenaline rushed through my brain. <laughs> That's a whole another show, Maddie Poppy, poppies, poppies, and then I. Quickly ran over to the VCR and played Wizard of Oz. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, anyway. Uh, where's that Where's that horn at again? I, oh, it's over here. I, I the, don't understand what the I, reference I have between no, I, the two I are. I have no but. idea. I don't have my bangs today. I only have coffee, so I, I'm just not really with it. Well, you cut them off. You don't have any hair. I know. Okay. Put on bump. Ping. Um, all right. So this has been a win win for Iowa native Maddie Poppies. That's one of yes, Awesome. All right. The singer not only topped Caleb Lee Hutchinson and Gabby Barrett during the singing competition's two hour finale uh on Monday night, but she also found love. Yes, she did. Yes. And the couple kept it a secret and uh, referring to uh, to uh Caleb Lee Hutchinson and Maddie. Um, because they didn't want to influence any of America's votes, so nobody knew. So uh, a couple of days ago, I was having lunch with Steven Tyler and Ryan Seacrest. You know, I have lunch with them on a regular basis. Yeah, eating lunch in front of the TV watching American Idol doesn't no. count as the same thing. No, I was in New York. Don't you know I have a little jet lag here? And I was having lunch with my buddy Steven and Ryan. Okay. It could happen. Remember, this is an honesty program. It could happen. <laughs> um, but truthfully, in uh, reading some some texts that Ryan Secrets had written, they truly did not 
let the cat out of the bag. Some people say, oh, well, yeah, they did. And then the staff knew and the judges knew. No, nobody knew. No, they, Caleb, nobody knew. Caleb announced it on, on, uh, on the show. Right. When the, I think it was, wasn't it on the finale when they, it was on the finale. Yeah. 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 They actually had an interest in each other the first day they met during Hollywood week. Um, but they, they didn't breathe a word to anybody. And I thought that was pretty cool. And I just thought that was a, that was a real win. I'm, I'm glad she won. I'm glad. I mean, and he's smart, right? Because really, he won too. Because your money's my money, honey. Yes, number <laughs> one and number two, right? Uh, but the really cool thing that he said was when Ryan had asked him, uh, "How did it feel when she won?" He got, "I got to watch Maddie win." I thought, "Wow, that's." And then Ryan's like, I cried. That's the third time I cried on the show. Um, but anyway, in, in, in kind of, kind of in honor of this, uh, we got something coming up and it's, it's going to be a few weeks down the road before we release it. But our friend Cecil, who has been actively uh, a participant in Take 12 Radio for a number of years, has actually uh, decided to put together a music CD. And we all know that Maddie won her uh, uh, audition by singing this little ditty that Cecil's got on his CD. But Cecil, or her CD, we still I know. I think Cecil is like gender nonspecific. So Cecil's really catching up with the world, right? So we really don't know what Cecil is. But Cecil's going to give us a little taste of what's on the CD. Just, just a little taste. So you, the listeners, can look forward to being able to get this CD for your wonderful music collection. Uh, so here we okay, go. Okay, Monty Man, here's just a little sneak preview of what you can find on right. my CD, Cecil Sings. Here we go. <clears throat> Why are there so many songs <laughs> about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Yeah. <laughs> Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. And rainbows have nothing to hide. And there you go. This is going to be on my new music CD entitled Cecil Sings. It's going to be available for MP3 download. And, and if you're really desperate, we'll even send you a CD. So be looking out for it. Be watching for it. Ah, okay, back to you, Monty Man. All right, Cecil. And, and by the way, <laughs> you know, can, can I make a suggestion here? Sure. As a, as a as a, as a music producer, you know, I think you need to, you know, you need to interject some shredding guitar in there somewhere. Yeah, well, uh, you may be surprised. So uh, Cecil has informed me amongst some of the songs on the CD, I'm not going to give them all away, is uh, King of the Road, one of Cecil's favorite songs, and uh, describing kind of what Cecil went through when Cecil was homeless but sober. And... Uh, Old old time rock and roll is going to be on the CD. Um, Hotel California is going to be on on the CD. Uh, so anyway, that that does it for our icebreaker. I thought we'd just have a little fun and give you a little preview. Maddie Poppy actually got her uh, audition approved to go to Hollywood by doing that song. Nice. And uh, so Cecil got excited and was all inspired. There you go. That's right. All right, we'll be back back after this. Have you been turned down for affordable life insurance based on pre-existing health conditions? If so, there is a solution. Colin Meyer from the Madison Agency explains. We have been able to identify what carriers will give the best rates based on specific medical conditions such as cancer, heart attack, stroke, diabetes, hypertension, sleep apnea, and co-occurring mental health issues. This gives our agents the unique ability to find you the best value available today. Whether you already have coverage and are not sure if you need more, or perhaps you are new to life insurance and would like to see what is available to you, we have a solution that will fit any budget and we guarantee coverage. Why not make the call today? 
541-706-0189. That's 541-706-0189. Or visit us online at themadisonagency.com. Welcome back to the show. This is Entitled to Overcome Solutions for a Life. When, Dave? Today. 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 <laughs> the question uh, that was posed to the topic, cleaning up the wreckage of your past, the question is, how long has it taken to clean up the wreckage of your past? What was your most grateful experience? And uh, so, you know, this... This differs with everybody. You know, a lot of it can depend on how bad the wreckage was. It could also depend on the people involved, not necessarily the wreckage. I mean, I, I, I've gone through and made some amends that really just shocked me. And I'm not meaning that they were disappointing. I was blown away that they were received so well for some pretty big stuff and was just given the green light. You know, just, hey, man, we get it. God bless you. We love you. No resentments here. Big hug. And on the other hand, I've had situations where it was the tiniest little thing. But to them, it was huge. Right. And they were unable to let go of it for whatever reason. And we can talk about whether that's on us or isn't on us. If we've done our part, if we haven't. or There's all sorts of things we can talk about this. Um, but Dave, go, go ahead. And we have we have some responses that we got on social media on this as well uh, that we're going to refer to here. But go ahead and l- launch us forth on this thing, Dave. Well, you know, we uh, the this show and, and our next show, uh, I think we're looking we're uh, best way to describe it is looking at step eight and nine, I guess. Yeah. You know, kind of following up from, you know, doing a fourth step, fifth step kind of six and seven, kind of putting all that stuff together and looking at, you know, uh, what that process is. And I guess this week we're, we should probably look at more of what the original question was, is like the wreckage, right? Right. What, what is wreckage? Hmm. You know, and do you have insurance to cover the wreck? Yeah. It's being funny. I uh, somebody somebody wrote in and said they wrecked their car and so they had it fixed within a week. Oh yeah, I read that. I was cleaning up their wreckage. Yeah, so, ha 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 ha. You're very well, funny you know, yet. it's great that you can have a sense of humor because in recovery, it, <laughs> a lot of times our emotions and our sense of humor is burned out for a while, and so it's good. Ha, good ha, to see, ha. there's people that still have a sense of humor, ha, ha. <laughs> or have re- <laughs> regained their sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it goes back to you're just think, too, you're too nice. <laughs> I'm too cynical, and you're too nice. Well, not really. <laughs> well, if you would have known me a few few years ago, you might have uh, had a different had a opinion. Different opinion. <laughs> oh, by the way, in, my, in, in the studio, my wife is over there shaking her head. No, yes, she's sitting in the peanut gallery. Oh, yes, to what? That she, I was a great person. Yeah, she's going. Mm, it's a good thing she doesn't have a microphone. Mm, yeah, well, so when they so when you get your sobriety chips, they <clears throat> do they give them to her? I was good. I was just angry, <laughs> good and angry. So I guess you know it goes back to like what what is wreckage, right? Yeah, uh, it goes back to uh, addiction, right? How do we know we're addicted if our life has become unmanageable? That piece about unmanageability—that's the wreckage. Hmm. Right? How how has our addiction affected our lives and everything right. and everybody in it? People, places, and things. And uh, I don't know what's going on here with my headphones. They're all twisted. They're a little like you. Uh, he's he he's Re- got wreckage regroup. going on. He's got wreckage going on. Regroup, wreckage. There we go. All right. Uh, so I think that's that. Maybe that's the perspective we come we start at. Is what is the wreckage? You know, what's the wreckage? Uh, identifying what your wreckage is. I mean, we 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 had a couple of people um, write in that uh, weren't sure or didn't have any wreckage. 
you know, my question is, is if you didn't have any wreckage, were you really an addict? And that, and that's, that's a huge question that a lot of people don't ever consider that maybe they should, because it's going to, it's going to depend on how, if you're in the field, it's going to depend on how we work with you. If you're a sponsor, it's going to depend on how a sponsor identifies with you, how you identify with people in the meeting, in the group, even with the steps, right? To, you need to find out if you're an abuser, are you actually a drug addict? Because there's a difference. Right. And I haven't run into anybody that, that's been addicted that doesn't have wreckage. I haven't either. And, and you can say like, your your body has developed this, you know, allergy, right? Right. You can't you can't drink and you can't not drink. Right. That's how I decided that I was an alcoholic. Sure. Because I you know, I can't I can't survive without it. But if I look at my life and the life of everybody else in my life, I can identify uh, wreckage that I've caused. So let's let's make something really clear here, or, or clear up for me as well as the listeners. Everybody that's ever drawn a breath has experienced some form of wreckage in their life. I mean, you don't have to be an addict or an alcoholic to have wreckage. What you're talking about, though, is wreckage associated with Addiction, right? Well, addiction and the behaviors that come along with it. Right, right. So we're not just talking about, you know, something that somebody else may do. You don't have to be an addict. We're talking about stuff that's associated with that stuff. Um, now, can somebody shoplift? <clears throat> that's not an addict? Sure. Well, their addiction can be shoplifting. Yeah. Uh, or, or fear because they're afraid they're not going to get whatever they're shoplifting or, I mean, there's all sorts of things, okay. but. So the wreckage would be shoplifting, right? That's to start with. Yeah. And, right? and all the people that are affected. Right. Right. Especially if you're, you have a family, if you shoplift and get arrested and go to jail or unless that's your, you've had previous offenses, you go to prison. Right. It affects your family. Yeah. Right. You're, you're not able to be there for them. So there's mm -hmm. where you, you, that's how it affects your family. So now we have a wake of or wreckage. your job or whatever. Yeah. And I don't want to take take away. I mean, I, I don't want to. I'm not trying to shame anybody or say anybody's not they're they're where they're at in their uh, in their life or their recovery. Yeah. Uh, if they don't see it, I just I'm suggesting that you go and talk to somebody or your sponsor and take a mm -hmm. look at that because. It's is one of those things that will creep up behind you when you're not looking and kind of smack you in the back of the head if you don't recognize the wreckage that you've caused or the mm -hmm. damage or the damage or whatever word you want to use, right? Uh, and and repair that damage. And some of it may be, you know, it, it may take talking to other people or talking to your family members. I have this tool that I use. This is basically a, a form that you give to your uh, Anybody that's in your that's been affected by your addiction, you basically you give them this paper. It's like a couple pages long, and ask a bunch a series of questions about how, like, from the addict or the you know the person with the behavior issues, like how right. has it my addiction or behaviors caused you know affected affected your life? you? Yeah, wow. right. And they go and they write. They either you know they answer the questions, or they can you know write an essay or whatever they want. You know if they whatever, yeah. however they want to yeah. do it. And I've had uh, people do their spouses. Uh, their kids have written down how it's affected them, in-laws, anybody that's associated with them. Um, could be even co you know coworkers or even an employer. I mean, it depends on how far you want to go with this. But if you don't know, because a lot of people don't know all of the records that they've caught. They don't. Um, I didn't know all of mine. Right. And the people that are involved in your life, they – they're afraid. They're afraid that you're not going to get sober or they're afraid that you're you're going to relapse or lash out or whatever it is. So they keep it all built inside and they don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And if hopefully if they're lucky enough to get an opportunity, if the person gets sober and is willing to work on themselves to talk about it, to work through any of those issues. So there isn't no ill feelings and, you know, Communication right. uh, problems happen a lot through that because we still have the same communication styles, even out of our addiction, and we have to change those too. Bruce H., who was my co-host for many years on our show, uh, on Wednesday's show, 
shared something that really relates to this. He said that when he when he did his uh, inventory work around his inappropriate use of his sex powers, and that's that's quoting from the big book, um, when he was doing his sexual inventory, sexual harms done, he did not realize till later that he actually owed his mom an amends. Now, he said, let me be clear, I didn't have inappropriate sexual relations with my mother, but my inappropriate behavior with other people affected my mother, and I didn't even know it. And in that, I owed her an amends. Right. And and so, like I said, I, when I was going through my inventory process and then later on actually making amends, I learned about people that were deeply hurt that I didn't – I had no idea. I didn't even know they were paying attention. Right. You, you ever have that, that that experience where you go and you tell somebody, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that uh, what's going on in your life. Right. And they're like, it's about time. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> yeah. It's we're like just... you're like the last one on the planet that that's figured it out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, we knew that. What's right, right. finally welcome? Right. I started a fire in my parents' backyard when I was in junior high, middle school, and I didn't think they knew it was me. And when I went to make amends for that when I was thirty-five years old, they just started busting up laughing, and they did the same thing. It's like, you know, we were kind of wondering when you were going to get around to right. that. How long is it going to take yeah. you to fess up? Right. <laughs> Here, let's let's play the instant replay. Get out the VCR, right? Right. Oh. Well, th- my dad was city manager in Petaluma, and he was best friends with the fire chief. And they had to come through the house with hoses to put out the fire. My dad was at a dinner party. I mean, come on, they know how to tell where the fire starts. You know what I'm saying? It says, but the thing is, Dave, and here, and this may be the case with a lot of people. I knew that they knew that I knew they knew, and I didn't say anything for years because of fear. Yeah, well, it's one of those things that you you wait, right? Because of I'm not even going to repeat what you say because I can't even. Yeah, I knew that they knew that I knew they knew. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> we we wait because it's like there's that little bit of doubt. Do they? Right, or don't they? Well, right. if they did, though, why aren't they saying anything? So maybe they don't know. So maybe they don't know. But yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. Right. <laughs> and they just kind of like, well, I'm just going to wait a little bit, right? And a little bit becomes a week, a month, a year, ten years, right? Twenty, thirty-five years. Yeah, thirty-five years. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably after about a you know a year, you you've said, well, they maybe they don't know about it. I'm just just like, going to let it go, right? Because I don't want to, you know, I'm afraid what the consequences are going to be. I, I posted on Facebook uh, this early this morning something to the effect of some people will never make amends for the the pain that they've caused in your life. Um, they will never, if that's the case, they will never know the freedom that comes with that. Be careful not to... Not to fall into their shoes, you know, you know, because you, you don't want to amend, not that amends is so we can feel great about ourselves because the person is owed the amends. But if you own amends and you're not making it, you're missing out. Aren't you missing out? Yeah, it's, I think it's it's a matter of having, you know, a good sponsor that's that's. Uh, has experience it's worked the steps yeah and done the work themselves uh there are a few that can do it that haven't done it but that's very few and far between and uh because then you get the opportunity of their experience to work through these things they can see the little things that you're missing or that maybe you're not even thinking about because a lot of times what i run into is uh, we start talking about the whole step four process, right? And they, a lot of them, automatically go to the people because they did wrong, them wrong. Sure. So it's like, you know, what, I'm not going to make an amends to them. They own amends to me, and they're looking at things like, well, these people, you know, need to 
make things right with me. So they're not, so that, I'm not, that hinders them from even looking at their they part. They may not even see that they did anything wrong. Right. They're saying that this person did this and this is how I retaliated. Where if you walk back, walk it back a little bit, it turns out that they started it, started that process going. Sure. But because of the thought process at the time and being, you know, uh, their brain being polluted with chemicals, they're not able to right. make the right decisions. I think in, in the big book, in the fourth step, it talks about that that seemingly without provocation, um, somebody will be be hurt. But that we can always we can always look. I'm paraphrasing now, but we can always look back and at somewhere along the line, we usually had a hand in this somewhere. Right. Very seldom, very seldom. Do we not play a part? If it, if if for no other reason, the, the part is that we were there. But I mean, I don't, I don't know anything. Maybe other than being abused, you know what I'm saying. I don't know of any areas in my life where I didn't play a part in the wreckage. No. I, I just I I if I'm honest now I wanted to for years to blame and shift and do all that stuff. Well, and that's, you know, again, that's where a good sponsor or mentor right. comes into play because I always use this example because it's a great example of how <laughs> how far we can go down that rabbit mm-hmm. trail of, you know, blaming everybody else for our problems. And I had to get, we were talking about what we're talking about today. And um, this guy in the group said that he is – He's angry with his wife. Um, he might even say that he hated her. And I said, well, what's the problem? What, hmm. Why do you hate her? Well, she she uh, she had me arrested. I said, hmm, really? Well, what happened? Yeah. Well, she 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 called the police and said that I that I hit her. And I said, well, did you? Right. And he said, yeah, but I was it was self defense. Yeah, but she hit me first. <laughs> I said, okay. Well, tell me tell me a little bit about that story. Yeah. What, what was the circumstances? <clears throat> so basically that whole situation was, he actually started it, but he, uh, he didn't recognize that he started. It. He just saw the end result and automatically blamed her. If she, you know, if she would have just, you know, cause I'm sure their, their relationship was dysfunctional and it was dysfunctional for a long time. And then she finally just said, I've had enough. And, called the police yeah but i had him follow that back even farther i said okay um so what's your what's your relationship been like before that incident well you know kind of you know we had a little we had yeah. some problems and she cheated on me and i cheated on her and blah 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 and and uh i said okay so what was your relationship like i mean what was she like when you guys got together and he explained that you know they had they had some there were some issues, and it's basically you know when as addicts we tend to find somebody that or they find us or whatever right. that right. is just as messed up as we are, sure, or me- more messed up, and so we gravitate towards those people because we, you know, are we looking for somebody to take care of us? Well, yeah, yeah. well, or take or us to take care of them, take care of them, yeah. And you know, I basically put this out there. I said, well, if you go all the way back, is that you made this decision? To actually be with this girl, you knew that her dysfunction and her issues that she right. had in her life, and you chose to be with her and then get married. So you have to take, you know, responsibility for all of your actions. And then once you got married, you know, what was that relationship like? Did you guys work on it? If you had communication problems, we don't think about none of that stuff when we're when we're well. I mean, when we're sick, mm-hmm. whether we're communicating properly. Mm-hmm. We just try to survive and live life, and you know, and right. day to day. So I don't know if anything changed in that guy's life, but I was trying to plant some seeds to help him look at things from a different perspective and take responsibility for his own actions. You know. So going back to our very first show, which you refer to usually on every show, right? Is that the only thing you have to change is everything, right? So nothing changes as nothing changes, which is a platitude we've heard for years in the rooms. And if that if you you need to be the change you want to see in other people, right? 
And yeah. so there's a lot of truth to that. What we see in other people many times is the dysfunction that we don't want to see in ourselves. So, if, so what I'm hearing you say is like with this person, if he would take the time to actually investigate his part with an open heart and an open mind, maybe some things would change with him. Even if the other person, even if his wife never changes, right? something might change with him. And then his perspective is completely different. Well, that, and I think that's with everybody. Right. Because, well, I mean, most every single person that, that goes through the process of, of, you know, recovery, treatment, and then, you know, long-term recovery is in the beginning, they're not seeing all of this stuff that's going on, mostly because that's the way that they were taught. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We were conditioned from the time we were born to be and act a certain way. Sure. And so in, until we when we become adults, right, we have to say, okay, enough is enough. I, do I want to continue living like this or I don't want to learn, learn a different way to live? Because as we, we grow up, we know some things that, are, that just don't feel right or just aren't right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we have to make the decision, do we want to change or do we want to stay the same? And that's about identifying what that wreckage is in our life and then making a plan to figure out how to how to fix it. So we're making an ass- clean it up. We're making an assumption here that that hopefully most of the people listening do want to make a change. Um well, I, I, I hope so. Well, right? Yeah. They, but that's isn't probably it, why they're listening to the radio station but, otherwise they'd be sitting on the corner doing something else. So how many times though once you count that the cost with them kind of referring back to well we get to step 4 and we lose people Step one through three, boy, they want to change. They want the pain to stop. They want to be productive people and be good dads and good moms and blah, blah. Then you get to step four where you're starting to count the cost, right? Or step eights and nine where you're actually becoming face-to-face with people where you're cleaning up the wreckage. And people, they skedaddle because they want to change but not to the degree that where it's going to actually change anything. Well, a lot of times they, they they skip over four and five. Right. Or they just touch on them or yeah. read some material, but it's like, well, I'm not going to write all that stuff down. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody that. Why can't I just tell God? Right. Right? Yeah. Why do I have to tell another person? Right? And, then we have, and so it's like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to do it. Okay, well, then you're not going to, your life isn't going to be complete. I, I always chuckle a little bit painfully when people say, well, God understands. I'll just tell God. So you believe in God? Yeah. Do you believe that what he's instructing you to do and his word is true? Oh, yes. Then how do you justify not telling another person when the Bible very clearly says that our healing comes from confession one to another? Oh, well, God understand. No, wait, answer the question. Me, myself, and I. Right. <laughs> right. So. I've heard that argument, too. But yeah. That's, that's true. We have to. It's like we all, everyone is always trying to, not everyone, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say everyone, but there are some that try to uh, change the program or change what works. I did it. I did, too. I spent 20 some odd years trying to figure it out on my own, and I'll take bits and pieces of it, you know, and go have a bookshelf full of self-help books that, yeah. that I probably never read half of. Right? And right. and I got all the answers. And then, and then I, it turns out I don't. And then I need to I need to back it up and say, okay, let's try the what worked for people for years. Let's look at what the Bible says. Let's look at what, you know, AA and NA say uh, and follow the directions. Right? Yeah. Follow what it says yeah. in the book. And I'm a and your sponsor. And I'm a great believer in I know how to do this without reading directions. Yeah. I, I am I am really good at that. I built you, a I built a swing set for my kid when he was like three or four. Right. My wife is telling me, you know, the voice of reason. Are you looking at the directions? I'm going. How hard could it be? So I put this thing together. Right. It's functioning just fine. At least. 
on the outside, it looks like it's functioning. We had this little birthday party for my son, and all of a sudden, there's screams from the other side of the yard. The thing collapses on these kids. Now, luckily, everybody was good enough friends. Nobody got mad and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I, I was scratching my head. Why do I have all these extra parts in the bag? Or why am I short some and that kind of thing? You know, and that was my life, Dave, for years was the swing set scenario. I would try. I did it with the steps. I did it with what my sponsor told me to do. Right. It wasn't it wasn't until I, you know, I started, I, you know, when I was, was in uh, when I was in jail the last time, I basically the first thing I did when I walked in the doors, I picked up a big book, uh, AA. Right. Alcohol Anonymous and, and the Bible, you know. Yeah, you, you know the Bible. Yeah, you're familiar with it, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So it's it's basically basic instructions before, before leaving, leaving Earth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, wherefore reading the instructions for that? Yeah. We we need to imp- implement them and right? utilize them. You think? Yeah. <laughs> I have to say though, on some instruction sheets, if you wa- if you read them, there are some companies that will put extra parts. But they will label they will. it and tell you they are extra parts they because they know that this seal or this washer will wear out. So they give you an extra one. Right. Or it's so small you might drop it and lose it. So well, or it, it's uh, it's one of those things that uh, one typically works, but right. you may need to put in two or three. And so sure. they, they add them in there. So you got to be careful that you know you don't say, "Well, crap! Why do I have all these extra parts?" And they're actually supposed to be there. So, so my question that I that that I post to people quite often that are not actually applying and implementing the steps, but they're in a twelve step fellowship is: if you're not willing to apply and implement the twelve steps, what are you doing in a twelve step fellowship? Clear that up for me. Following direction. My sponsor told me I needed to go to meetings. Yeah. My my PO told me to go to meetings and get this paper signed. And and you're right. That's exactly what the answer I get. Yeah. But once it comes to actually doing what, if you you listen and you watch the people that are succeeding and the ones that have the light back in their eyes and the ones that are doing the deal and working with others and living happy, joyous, and free and all the platitudes we talk about, they're the ones that follow the directions and do the work. And they will tell you they were just like you. They were they balked at it for a long time until they got tired of balking. And, right. and they, and they, so when it comes to your wreckage, be not surprised if it takes you 20 years sitting around the room drinking bad coffee and talking about your day <laughs> if you're not willing to do the work. Yeah. Well, that's why they tell you, you know, keep keep coming back, right? Go to meetings and, until you feel like you don't need to go to meetings and then go to meetings. And then double up on your meetings. Right? <laughs> because that's, it's it's like the seed right. scenario, right? You're pl- you want to plant seeds and that's because a lot of people that come into the program their brains aren't thinking about, you know, I need to do a four step or I need to change my life. And I sure. need to, a lot of the time it's just, I need, you know, I have to be here mm-hmm. because someone told me I had to be here. Um, and so I'm don't want to go to jail or I don't want to lose my relationship. So I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Uh, and then, you know, when I'm done, I'm done. And I'm just going to go back to do what I was doing. Yeah. They're not thinking about, well, Hey, I need to, I did, you know, I need, I need to fix this. Right. Because I can have this different life because right. you're not thinking about that. You're not thinking like that. Because I don't know what a different life looked like. If I don't have any other previous experience, mm-hmm. there's that fear of the unknown. Like if I do this, how do I know it isn't going to fall apart? How do I know that our, everybody's not going to look at me and point their finger and say, and laugh and say, sucka. Yeah, because most of us had have gone through that time where we thought if you knew all about me, you'd run away. Yeah, yeah. Or sure. you know, drink the Kool Aid. You know, scenario they talk about that. It's like just yeah, join the cult of AA, or you know, it's, <laughs> uh, zombie. I don't know. Ever, now I'm not. I'm. I am not a person who approves of South Park. I think it's disgusting. I don't think it has any business in people's homes. But I have got to tell you, 
I was channel surfing one time and I, they were talking about AA. And of course my ears perked up and I, and I stopped at the channel and there was a South Park episode. Did you ever see that where the guy goes to the AA know. meeting and he's like, they're turning him into an alcoholic. It was the most hilarious thing I ever seen. <laughs> and and the guy, the guy goes, I, 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 I was fine until I walked in here. And then they, they created this monster. It, it was great. Um, but you know, there, there, That's funny. It, it, it was really funny, but, but you know, the, the thing of it is, and I've heard it before and it really, it, it causes me to giggle, but it's true. Usually people that aren't alcoholic don't go to AA meetings to find out if they are. Right. I mean, just on a whim. I, that, that brings me back to my first meeting. Right. I remember it very well. Right. I was basically, you know, told I have to go to go to meetings. Right. I was going to uh, outpatient treatment across the street at uh, St. Croix Medical Center in Wisconsin. Across the street, they had an Alamo Club, right? So they're like, yeah, you can go to meetings. They have meetings across the street. So I walk in there. It was, I don't know what night it was, Friday or Saturday. I walk in there. This is back when you used to be able to smoke in the rooms. Sure. So you walk in, there's this big this like, cloud. It's like the teacher's lounge in high school, right? right? <laughs> it's just this cloud yeah. in the room. You know, and, you know, everyone just, you know, turns and looks at you as you walk in the door because, you know, I must have been late or something. But, you know, everybody turns and looks at you and, they're, you know, they're puffing on their cigarettes. Right. And I sit down and it's like all all I got out of that was, was, was how do you – I said, now I want to drink. I said, how do you stay sober <laughs> when all you do is talk about drinking? Right. That was my first impression. <laughs> it isn't what was happening, but – yeah. Because I was still in my addiction, and your I, thought process was yeah, operating I had a that bottle way. Bottle under the seat of my truck, sure. But I was like, "This is ridiculous. Why? Why would you like? It doesn't make any sense." <laughs> kid, so kid, you know, are I, you new here, kid? God, are you an alcoholic? I I don't know. Yeah, sit down and shut up. They didn't even. They didn't even <laughs> talk to me. <laughs> I just, you know, I sat there and I just... You know, take the cotton out. You take the cotton out of your ears, old man. <laughs> what kind of meetings do you go to? God. I'm not going to... I'm not going to say. <laughs> old old fart meeting? Um, but, you know, I had, I remember a guy saying... Uh, I think it was like the third or fourth meeting that I went to. And he said... When he said, keep coming back, he always ended with, I dare you. And I thought, that's a ticket right there. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it was that kind of stuff. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll take you up on that. I'll be here tomorrow. Will you? Of course he would be. Yeah. You know. Um, so we, you're, you're one of those guys that, that, that bought into the dare or. Sure. You know, I was, I was always one. Typically, one of the guys telling me if you if told me if I if you told me I couldn't do something right, I say watch me show I'll show you yeah yeah um so a couple of the response you want to read a couple of the responses that we have here we got about fifteen minutes left uh sure so the question um, was how long has it taken to clean up the wreckage of your past what was your most grateful experience well uh let's see uh Lee says it t- it's taken about a year. To- uh, still a couple of people to track down. I'm willing to do so when the opportunity occurs. Most important experience was amends with my ex-wife, who afterwards invited me to spend the day with the family on Christmas Day. It was a great way to build a new relationship with her and the kids. Although we were not back together and and never will be, we can be, be great friends and have a wonderful relationship with my two daughters. God bless. Steps mm-hmm. nine, ten, and eleven. Bam! Success. Right. That's a great. That's a great response. Right. That's that's you know that's the the great the gratitude part of it is like yeah you know I can't I can't go back and and, and ha- get that back but at least we can you know repair uh, what was lost and continue on as is and build a good relationship from there. So when you catch the ball outside the end zone, you get the game the way it is, not the way it was. You can never get it back the way it was. Right. Sometimes you can get it back better than it was. Right. There you go. 
and I could do the same day for the listeners say Dave's pointing to his wife, and I could right. do that with my wife too. She was here last week um, on the show, and and we do we get these amazing gifts that happen that pff, who who would have thought? Yeah, my my wife says to, said to me, I don't know, it was a, I don't know, probably it was a few months ago. Uh, she said, "Is it possible to love somebody more each day?" And I would, it blew me away. Uh-huh. right? Oh man, that deserves a that deserves a bell. And but you I mean, deserve this, Dave. <laughs> just, just wait till after the show, Monty. <laughs> no, that I mean, what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing to say and wonderful thing to hear. Right. We get gifts like that when we do the deal. Yeah. Well, you know, she 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 helped me out more than she'll probably ever know uh, in my, you know, my sure. new life. One one of the things uh, I just want to share this is that helped me repair a lot of the wreckage is is a. Uh, you know, you you know, you, you come home and you always go. You know, I talk about how's your day, blah blah blah. Uh, there's this this one day I'll never forget. Uh, it was the first time I actually heard this. She probably had told me before, but I wasn't I wasn't listening. Right. Uh, she says sometimes all you have to do, all I want you to do is listen. You don't always have to fix everything. Oh yes, Marcia's right? told me that because before. that's I mean that's guys that's what we do. We do you right. Give me a problem, I'm going to fix it. Right, and so <clears throat> that that like changed the whole dynamics because I was then now I'm able to like stop and think, um, or stop and listen. Right, the whole right. active listening, so I, I can you know yeah. Uh, I still sometimes go back to revert back to the old behavior, uh, but I try not to. But I can sit here and I can listen and I can be supportive and I can you know and then if she wants help. She can tell me, hey, yeah, uh, what do you think? Yeah. Or do you got yeah. any advice on what right. I should do? <clears throat> and I can also formulate a, a plan to fix it, right, and store it in the old memory bank so I'm, like, ready mm-hmm. to go when, when she's like, hey, you know, I need some, I need some help with this. Right. What do, what do you think? And that changed everything because then, you know, I'm actually – because I, I, I do this with, with my clients too. It's like – if you're interrupting me every time I talk, you're not listening to what I'm saying. Yeah, they're already planning. Right, right. They're already planning the response, right. or they already got figured out exactly what direction you're going to go or what you're going to say. And uh, it's it's funny because I every time it happens, I always I always think about that. <laughs> Do you ever see that video with the, the the husband's talking to the wife and she's sharing with him some of her less than good experiences of the day she's had a bad time and he keeps trying to fix her and the and the the camera pans back she's got a nail in her head ever seen that and he's he's trying to tell her take the nail out take the nail out and she's just trying i just want you to listen to me but he's not hearing a word she's saying he's just so focused on the nail in her head he's totally missing the point right you know and we do do that um, well, if that was literally happening, that would be a different conversation. Yeah, but see, what we think a lot right. of times as guys is that, that that it's that bad or it's it's as easy as me pulling the nail out. And our or, wives, are, that's not what they – they may have even already solved it. Right. They just need a sounding board. Marsha come home from work and she's she's just got to tell me what happened and I'll, and I'll say – well, did you? She go, oh no, it's already taken care of. I just needed to vent. Cause I had nobody to vent to about it, but I already, you know, told the sucker where he could stick it, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Right. Um, Steve Chisholm, uh, my friend Steve Chisholm, uh, said, "I'm not sure I could ever clear it all up, but I've cleared up what I could." Good for him. So those we're not sure right. if we can get it all done, but you know, if our heart's in the right place. You got another one there? Well, in this. This is a an interesting perspective. It says Bobby says my family te- my family tells me that I did it in two years. I feel like I, I feel as if I'm never done. Hmm. Right. We have to go on our. I mean, our, it, it's great to get that feedback from our family from their perspective. Right. But we also have to look at where we're at 
in how we feel about the situation and talk to our sponsor or talk to somebody that's because I'm hearing I'm hearing some pain there. Yeah, yeah, right. I feel like you know, but it it could just be the you know sometimes we beat ourselves up so much we have this you know low self esteem and maybe it's 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 fueled on by uh, the past right. that we haven't worked through yet. You know, the self esteem issue sure. is a big thing. You know, I got, I got you know myself included. And, uh, there's a lot of people struggle with you know uh, having having a lot of confidence and being good at things, but also struggling with self-esteem issues, right? And that's kind of where I was at. Mm-hmm. And trying to, like, balance those two out sometimes can be difficult. Yeah. Right? Because you yeah. feel like, well, yeah. maybe, you know, you, you know, you feel like you did a good job, but then you're thinking, well, maybe I, you know, because I'm not getting a response that I think I should get. Right. Maybe I, did I really? Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like, it, is there something more? So that's where a sponsor comes in. That's where the, or the mentor, somebody else that can walk you through it. So when you have those questions, you can just say, "Hey, this is how I'm feeling. Um, can you help me process through this?" Because they may, you know, help you process it and you figure out, I, you know, maybe I have, maybe I have, I have taken care of the sure. past. Sure, you bet. Uh, Steve P says, "I'm grateful to have been making living amends for 39 years and counting. Some things can never be set right, but I live the change." Um, I appreciate that statement, although I will caution you, sometimes in some circles, people will tell you that you can do a living amends in place of a direct amends. The big book is very clear. We made direct amends where possible. Wherever possible. Right. Um, Where possible. So sometimes direct amends is not possible. The person has passed away. Maybe we've lost contact. We have no way of getting hold of them. Uh, I've got a person in my life like that. I have tried. I've done everything but hire a private investigator. Yeah, we'll talk more about that on the next next one. Um, But listen, a living amends, if you you ripped off a grocery store and you've decided that instead of paying them back, you're going to take the shopping cart from the parking lot to the front doorstep of the store every time you go shopping, I'm sorry. That is not a living amends. That's a cop-out, and that's my opinion. We'll have to revisit that. We can revisit in part that. two. Sure. You got another one there? Three years in, uh, uh, I don't know how you say this name. It's a M- Melanie or Maline. I don't know which. Maline, I think, yeah. Three years, uh, June 17th. I'm still working on financial issues and relationships with my kids. Most, My most grateful experience is my restored relationship with God. Oh, wow. Uh, I think that's. Uh, I think that's very important. You know, that's what all it's all about anyway, right? Well, yeah. For I mean, when you get down to it, yeah. For most of us, sure. You know, uh, there are some you know that, that maybe aren't there yet with believing in God, but I think as 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 we get restored or we find our uh, our relationship with God, we can help other people to find uh, their spot. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, Joe K says about fifteen minutes. Wow, um, that, that that would have been nice. What is that about? What is that about? Mean? About uh, how long did it take to clean up the records of your past? He said about fifteen minutes. Um, okay, okay. I'm glad. I mean, if that if that's all it took, and you're really free, maybe you're like only drank for a week. Maybe or used for a week. Uh, good. Hey, that's what if that works. That's what that works. Well, you know what? I think for me, the program has taught me. You know, the program, uh, uh, the rooms, and you know, uh, God has taught me that I need to clean up wreckage, no matter what it is, whether it has to do with my addiction or not, or not, right? Because even before, you know, my addiction, there's probably some things that I. I needed to clean up, you know, I needed to fix because, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the, the, the information that I do now. We are out of time. Um, I will say though, if you leave wreckage unattended, if you leave garbage sitting out, what happens? It rots, it will, smell. It will stink, it will attract flies, it'll attract rodents. And I mean, it'll make a mess. The dogs and, will knock it over and strew it all over the neighborhood. And it becomes more difficult to clean and more difficult to clean, and it gets on everybody else. 
and then you just you, you, yeah. So uh, yeah, do keep coming back. Do 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 that. Do get a sponsor. Do work the steps. Walk mm-hmm. through this process. We're going to talk about more of this um, on next week's show. Which I'm reaching over here, Dave. Uh, next week's show is called Making Amends. How do we do that? Making the hard amends. And the question for that one is, uh, share your amends story. What was the most difficult amends you have made or will make? So we're going to kind of continue this discussion um, because there's much more to this. And uh, it is such a vital part of our recovery. It is such a vital part of just our humanism, living out our life, whether you're an addict or not an addict. If, if, if you've created wreckage, and I don't know anybody that has it because we have this thing called the human condition. Um, it is vital that we we discover what it is and what our part is, and we work on cleaning it up. Um, you don't want to miss the freedom that comes from it, right, Dave? That's right. All right, so our closing freedom! song. Freedom! <laughs> wow. That one hurt. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, our closing song is by Gracie Vandiver, uh, recovery recording artist, just a great friend of Take 12 Radios. This is her song, Trail of Light. To our good friend Gracie Vandiver, recovery recording artist with her song, Trail of Light. Until next time, this is the Monty Man along with Dave Fleming, and we're wishing God's perfect serenity for each and every one of you and reminding all of you 
that because of God's grace, you are entitled to overcome. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.